We are back on on the sidelines over on Q102, and as everybody knows, there's no offseason in the NFL, and I had to bring in one of the best over at the Cincinnati Bengals Director of Communications, Emily Parker. How you doing, Emily? Doing good. Thanks for having me today. All right, I'm going to back it up just a little bit because this year alone has been crazy. You could go from the Joe Burrow to NFL draft night to a regular season, but a pandemic. Working through a pandemic in the NFL they started on time, no preseason, but it wasn't easy. What was the day-to-day like for someone in the communication business for an NFL team? I think we had to always make sure that we were being flexible and to know that things were going to be different right off the bat. And you can get hung up with the things that you're missing out on. And I think we especially you know, wanted the Joe Burrow draft to be something that was just off the charts. And we had to adapt to this new environment with working from home and knowing that we weren't going to be able to be in person with him for a while when we drafted him. And so you just got to adapt to the fact that it's like, you know what, it's going to be different. We have to accept that. And we just have to make the best of the situation. And so that's pretty much what this year has been like for us. How many COVID tests did you have to take? I think I counted it up at one point and it was like at the end of the season, it was like 162 PCR tests and two POC tests. So I was tested every single day. You just kind of made it as part of your routine. Uh, the, the worst one was Christmas day morning. Cause I had spent the night at my parents' house and we had to be tested before 7am that day. And so to get up that early on Christmas morning to, to get the COVID test was probably my least favorite one. Were you oh. surprised at all that you, that the NFL season, just, they made it happen. Every game was played. I know there was a couple delays and pushbacks, but credit to the NFL. Yeah, I can just say just with us in this building, and I think it was the case across all of the teams is everybody took it so seriously and we knew what was on the line. And so we limited our social circles. You know, we were diligent with the mask wearing and the hand washing and all of the rules. And so I think it was like for me, I took it as my personal responsibility. And I think all of the players and coaches felt that same way. And so um, it was crazy. It was different, but it was impressive. And I think obviously knowing it, that it was around this time of year that it happened last year with the with the pandemic and there was time for us to plan for our season compared to some of the other sports leagues that had to adapt in real time while seasons were going on or just getting ready to start where we had a little bit more time to, to plan and come up with a, a game plan. But I think we were really obviously happy that the whole season happened, that for most of our home games, we were able to have fans and, you know, obviously just got to make the best of a, a crazy environment that we're in right now. And uh, speaking of fans, Emily, were you a pretty big Bengals fan growing up? Is, was this like your ultimate dream job? Yeah, no, I grew up on the west side of Cincinnati, went to Mother of Mercy High School, a diehard Bengals fan. And so I had moved away for many years. And when this opportunity came up, it was one of those things where it was almost too good to be true. And my parents cried when I got the job because they were so happy that I was coming back to Cincinnati. And my mom still to this day says she pinched just herself the fact that I'm here in town so you know I I have been a fan so I know how much our fans and the passion that they have my dog is named Carson like I am all in so yes it's it's honestly it's been a great experience to see what it's like being on this side of the team having rooted for the team for so many years and now able to be a part of it and especially with all the exciting things we've got coming up this year it's it's an awesome job. Do you have a Bengals game that stands out? This doesn't even have to be from working. Just as a kid growing up in the Cincinnati area that you're like, I cannot believe that game just happened. 
Yeah, I was at, you know, there's a handful of games that I was at that I really remember. And I know the one was the Monday night game when we beat the Broncos and it was raining and we clinched a playoff spot and, you know, just the environment. I was up in the 300 level for that game and just, you know, our fans, just everybody was cheering at the interceptions were happening. And it was just that that game is one that sticks out my mind. But I, I credit being a sports fan from growing up. You know, I was in the second grade in 1988 when we went to the Super Bowl. And I remember my grade school uh, we all dressed up in Bengals gear and we spelled out who day in the parking lot. And then obviously, you know, two years later, it follows it, the Reds in the World Series and the sweep. And I remember my grandparents were over and we had the brooms out. And so I think having those early memories of just seeing how much fun sports can be and what they do for the Cincinnati community, I was hooked on as being a sports fan for life. Can you talk about that night? Well, you talk about that that Super Bowl, and I talked to a lot of people at that time, or even former players, and they told me they felt the Cincinnati Bengals were going to go back the following year. Was it a surprise when it was, it's taken a little bit longer? I know, but I can just say, like, the passion from that, I obviously was too young to remember the 81 team, but we've got all these um, these archives here where I can flip through old newspaper clippings, and I've done that as part of research at various times, and then having lived through, you know, the 88 is, that's what we strive to, to get, and we are committed to winning in every sense of the word and want that feeling, and I can tell you, we talk about what that Super Bowl parade is going to be like, and that is just something that we know our fans want it, this community wants it, and that's our ultimate goal. Oh, I, I, it's really cool to see you so excited and so passionate about what you do. Uh, seeing women in the NFL, you know, big timers, it's happening a lot more now. Um, creating new opportunities, you know, from refs to, you know, pretty much all across the board. What does this mean to you? Yeah, it's like I sometimes do have to take a, a step back and realize just how significant it is. And, you know, I think for me, my career is something I've always worked really hard to put myself in a position to be successful. And oftentimes I'm so focused on the hard work that I don't really consider myself a female in the industry. It's just I'm focused on being the best at my job. But you know, there is something to be said. And I think here in the Bengals, it's like, obviously for us, we've got such strong female leadership from the top with Katie Blackburn and now Elizabeth Blackburn, our CFO, Johanna Kapner. And so I think just throughout this organization, it's very much of a place and a culture where women in sports are valued. And I think that that's why I'm really lucky to be where I'm at. She never wants the credit, but I feel like Katie Blackburn doesn't get enough credit. I, I talked to Amy Trask, a familiar face, obviously, in the NFL. You'll see her, see her over on CBS, former front office member. And she told me that off the air. We were recording an interview, and she just raved about what Katie does behind the scenes. And do you kind of agree with that? She's not getting the shine she wants, and, and she deserves <laughs> Yeah, I think, and that's where obviously with Elizabeth taking a little bit more of a forward facing role, I think that, that some of that stuff is probably going to shine more attention because it has been a, a family that tends to, to not want that attention. But there's sometimes where it is important to, to take credit and to say, hey, you know what? We're doing things really well here. And so, you know, Katie is obviously a great role model and she does so much behind the scenes. I think where she really gets her notoriety is how she manages the salary cap. And especially in a year like this, where salary cap for the first time went down and how we've been able to kind of pivot and make it work and, and take advantage of this free agency period. You know, Katie's really helped uh, take a leadership role in that. 
I want to back it up just a little bit because you did mention Joe Burrow and everybody knows in Cincinnati, as you mentioned, you grew up in this area. Fans love the sports teams. They're really passionate about it. And I will personally say, I don't remember a night like draft night. Fans all knew um, that the Cincinnati Bengals were going to take Joe Burrow with the number one pick, but they wanted to hear it official from the Cincinnati Bengals. What was that like behind the scenes? Because you are dealing with a remote draft, but the excitement's there. So you definitely see it on social media and just in your own office. Yeah, one of my favorite memories of draft night is I was able to talk to Joe's mom prior to him being drafted because it was really important for us to capture the moment of him getting the call. And typically that would have happened in New York or in another environment where there could have been people around to, to videotape that. And so you know, we had to do some stuff behind the scenes to make sure that we were able to record the audio of the call. And so I got to talk to his mom and his dad that morning and just to hear, you know, their excitement as they were preparing for, you know, that moment and just how much Joe had achieved. But then not only then, you know, obviously go through draft night and then obviously we had video content and different stuff. Like Joe's mom has been somebody that she'll text me when we put out like a, a you know, the, the schedule release video is one that comes to mind when we had the cigar theme and she was just like, she sent me the fire emojis for that. So I think, you know, that's one of the things that last year's draft really got praised for was the personal side of players, the coaches, the, the GMs, um, the owners, all of that, that we got to experience as part of it. And so, you know, there is that, that chill moment when you see his name officially announced on TV, but it was the behind the scenes interaction with him and his family that day. Uh, Cause that was the first time I got to talk to him was right after he got drafted and we had through the car wash. We basically put him through three hours worth of nonstop media. And he did awesome. And, and then I had him back at it the next day. So there's a lot of special memories from last year's draft for sure. And Mike Brown wrote him a letter prior to the pick, right? Yeah. So uh, they wrote a letter and they sent some jerseys um, and just kind of a, an overall welcome to the Bengals um, care package that they had delivered to, to him and his family. And that just shows you the personal side of, of the Brown and Blackburn family is, is they really want to make you feel part of the family. And so just that extra touch to, to make sure that his draft night was, was extra special. Um, he did get a handwritten note from the family. So what is, you know, talking about draft weekend, what is that weekend like for you? Do you sleep at all? Are you just running off coffee or what's it like? <laughs> yeah, I basically described um, this past Friday when we had all of our free agency news happening. It's like a day three of the draft because it was like you're constantly trying to coordinate different things. And the, the tricky part about the draft in a normal year when we've got typically on the third day, we would have our first and second round players here. Plus we're making picks and trying to do news conferences. And there was a couple of times there was one year where we traded up and I hadn't gotten back to the draft room yet. And so I literally was sprinting through the most perfect room to get back upstairs. Because in a typical year when a draft pick happens, uh, the coach says, hey, you know, we're getting ready to take you. Congratulations. And then they talk to a position coach. Well, then I get to talk to them shortly after that and, and basically contact information, get a backup phone number. Because a lot of times their regular cell phones blowing up. And so we need a backup number. And be like, all right, we're going to call you back in 10 minutes and put you on a conference call with our local media. And so I'm one of the first people that gets to talk to the draft picks after they're picked. And so last year, it wasn't in the draft room environment. They were just texting me the players' numbers, and I was calling them separately. 
but I'm the one who, who kind of coordinates that first initial media outreach with them right after they get picked. And they're always so excited and nervous and, you know, all kinds of emotions going through them. So um, dealing with rookies is fun because obviously it's a new experience for them, but uh, draft is draft is always really exciting. That's really cool. I know like that's an yeah. interesting point, you know, to think like they have to have a backup phone or something yeah. else because, you know, they have probably hundreds, if not thousands, especially Joe, I can only imagine that night, just the amount of messages and phone calls he was receiving. That's actually, that's an interesting thing I never knew about. You know, making sure they have, got to have a backup. You got to have your PR. We got to have them on the line. There's Um, a, there's a podcast and I don't know if it was, I I know it involves Paul Daner. So I don't know if it was when he was with the Inquirer or when he was with the Athletic, but there was one year where we literally could not get a player on the phone and, and they've got like all of the, like basically all of the attempts of us trying to get these players and we were getting hung up on. And then somebody like had answered somebody's phone and they're like trying to get the players there. I think it was the year we drafted Sam Hubbard. I think it was his draft that it was just like, we just oh. struck out like player after player after player and they've got it as a podcast. It's just really funny to go back and listen to. Oh, that's wow. funny. Yeah. Sam Hubbard being a Cincinnati guy, you know, I'm yeah. sure locally everyone's like, woo. no, that's, that's really interesting. That's kind of an interesting point there. Uh, Lynn, did I, cut, did I cut you off? Were you going to say something? No, not at all. Honestly, I, I know Emily, she is one of the hardest working people. And we talk about Katie Blackburn not getting um, that shine and that credit. I, I would say the same for you, Emily, because I know how your team works. You have a great staff and you're one of the hardest workers. So I know you're going to, I know how you're going to answer this question I'm about to ask you, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What are the best days on the job? Winning, I would say my favorite, <laughs> the, the days that we win and, uh, you know, being in the locker room right after a win. Um, so right off the bat, like that's, those, those are the moments. And then knowing we get to go into a week where you've got all this fun content and you watch the highlights over and over again. Cause like I said, I'm a fan. So I want us to win just as much as anything. But I think the things that I love most about my job is that every day is different and that, you know, I'm not tied to a desk day in and day out, that I get to interact with so many people from players to coaches to media to our front office staff. And so, you know, it's fun job. It's a year-round job. It's, uh, you know, six months out of the year. I don't take a day off. But um, I think it's just the fact that, you know, I get to be around the team. I get to know the personalities involved. And that's what makes rooting for them so fun because, you know, obviously people are familiar with the stars, of the team, but it's a full locker room of guys that are really easy to root for. And so I think obviously game days are the most fun um, when you can see it all come together and just that, how much they want to win. And then, like I said, being in that locker room after a win is just an awesome experience. And kind of, um, you know, piggybacking on that, uh, talking about how much you love, the, you know, you love what you do and there is a lot of work that goes into it. So what would you, what kind of advice would you give to, a young woman, maybe in her first year of college or fresh out of college, wanting your job, what advice would you give her? Yeah. So for me, I always say my career path was kind of a winding road. And so, so many people early on in their career put pressure to land the dream job right away. And I think it's important to get a variety of experiences. And I worked outside of sports for the first part of my career and always wanted to work in sports and really was like, I've got to figure out a way to do it. And and kind of went through a series where I ended up getting an opportunity with the Heisman Trophy, where I was interning for them and got to experience five Heisman weekends, which was awesome. I worked at Fox Fox Sports for five years. 
And then when this job came along is it really was a culmination of a lot of my experiences that helped prepare me for this job. Whereas if I knew this was going to be my quote unquote dream job when I was in college, I would have gone on a completely different path. But I think the fact that I had a wide range of experience is what really appealed to them and why I ultimately was the one that they they offered the job to, which was in and of itself a surreal experience when I got that phone call. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's really just looking at a career as a journey and you're constantly evolving. Things are constantly changing and that, you know, sometimes dream jobs change from time to time. I've been lucky where I've actually had several dream jobs along the way for where I was at those stages of my career. But I, I think um, just working hard and making the most of every opportunity is really what I think is the best advice. Social media is a huge thing right now. And obviously I think you guys are killing it over in the social media department from the videos. I mean, you could go back to what we had just mentioned with draft night, Elizabeth Blackburn is doing some of her tours and talking about the changes, what they're trying to do, fan engagement. What can fans expect to see in 2021 with the new stripes campaign? Yeah, I think we're really trying to bring a, an unprecedented level of energy. And that's obviously, you're already seeing it on our social platforms where we're fun and it has personality and it's engaging content. And we really want that to translate into the game day environment. And so, you know, we were just, we had a lunch today where we were talking about um, just what elements we want to bring, new traditions that we want to bring to really have people have a need to be like, I've got to be at that game. I can't miss out. And so I think that there will be a lot to come over these next months as we get ready for that home opener in September or whatever that ends up being our first home game. But um, I think it's really just energy, excitement, passion, and really just tapping into the fact that we have the best fans out there. And we really want everybody to feel like they're part of the community with us and just, you know, go out and have a good time. Emily Parker, Director of Communications for the Cincinnati Bengals. She's so busy that she got a release out right before she did this interview. And I know you Ooh. have plenty of work to do because free agency and the NFL draft is right around the corner. We can't thank you enough for joining us. Thanks for having me today. This was fun. Thank you, Emily. We'll chat soon. We want to we get back in touch with you again. Once Hi, this is Daniel Roof, the Real GM Radio Podcast. And while the NBA season is still pretty new, there are some interesting storylines going on. And for me, one of them is, let's call it a shift in expectations, because there are a couple teams that we expected to be not necessarily pushing the accelerator in the early going in the season, maybe seeing Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson, this purportedly strong 2023 draft class, and going, hey, we could be a part of that. And that would be the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs. Both teams are over 500 with some nice wins. And this isn't fluke. They're playing well so far, and so we will see how they build on this, how they react to it. Do they keep pushing, see if see how it can keep going, or do they change directions through trades and everything else? So that'll be something to watch in this year where the draft class is, is strong and these teams have incentives going in both directions. Hi, this is Daniel LaRue from the Real GM Radio Podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, matchups, news, in-depth analysis, and live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. Can check in on your favorite games and events, including the baseball playoffs, start of the hockey season, MMA, boxing, and golf, plus sports podcasts. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at BetOnline, where the game starts.